Uh, I would say the one that's probably easiest for non-believers to, to understand would be what you give will be given back to you. The Bible says, Bible uses it in the form of judgment. How you judge will be, ju you will be judged, pressing down, shaking together and running over, right? So whatever measure you use will be given back to you. The world would call it karma. So, but that principle is, is the case. If your pastor would talk about it being generous, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world seems to get smaller and smaller. That goes, that kind of goes back to the principle of how you give is what will be given back to you. If you give hope, hope will be given back to you. If you give love, love will be given back to you. If you give hate, hate will come back to you, right? That principle is, I believe, is sound because it happens all the time. You can see it happening in the world. The world calls it karma. You give, if you give out, you know, I love, I love ridiculousness because they talk about instant karma. They have episodes on there where they talk about instant karma, where a guy will make fun and then he'll fall over a rail or something. Instant karma type deal. But if I'm trying to explain something, you know, to a non-believer, which when, when we talk about non-believer that, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about somebody who I can't use the Bible as a reference point because they don't believe it. It's just a book, right? I, I would think that that was probably one of the easiest ones for them to understand. I think it's you can say generosity, that whole generosity thing. I necessarily think that people that are non-believers would grasp that as much. And I see a homeless person on the street, I give him, you know, what does that do for me? This makes me feel good about giving to him, right? But I do believe that if you, whatever you give out into the world does come back to you. When Scott so kindly asked me to be on this podcast and share about my thoughts on life principles, I immediately thought about which few I would share about. Let's talk about that next on The Mighty Amble. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back into the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. The events that are coming up at Grace Point Family Church are December 9th. We have Christmas at Grace Place where we're going to decorate cookies and pictures with Santa. On December 18th, there's a servant leader open house. On December 17th, young adults hang out. And at Elevate Life Church, 
Christmas at the Cathedral, Friday, December 16th, 6.30 p.m. Saturday, December 17th at 6.30 p.m. Sunday, December 18th, 9 and 11 a.m. services that we hope you all come out to join us. December 17th, Adopt-A-Block Uganda Mission Trip, April 23rd through May 2nd. I'm Taryn Towers, and my top three core values in life are relationship, health, and character. My core scripture that I like to pull out as often as possible in life is Thessalonians 5.18, and that's give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And the question that's at the top of my mind to be answered when I go to heaven is why were some people physically healed and others weren't? Hi, I'm Kristen Martin. My top three core values are integrity, grit, and communication. The core scripture that I lean towards is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3.5 so one of the questions that come to the top of my mind that I can't wait to be answered when I go to heaven is since I have never got to meet my physical father, I want to sit down and have lunch with him and say, is my dad here? What would be some of the questions you would want to ask your dad? It's an excellent question. I, I think just basic, simple stuff like to get to know him, like just more about him, like how he was raised, what were his family values? How did he see himself being a dad? Mm -hmm. um, could he see us from down, from up there? You know, was he able to yeah. see us growing up? Or, um, I guess there's so many I couldn't even count. Just, you know, just like in anything, you have to take the time to ask a lot of questions to kind of rebuild the relationship. Yeah, and then questions lead to more, more questions. questions. Right. So the brushing, a commonly used blacksmithing technique that uses a hand brush as a tool. Hand brushes are used by blacksmiths to brush away excess material from the workpiece and leave a nicer finish on the forging. So what are you brushing off this week that is making you a better version of God's workmanship? What I'm brushing off this week is entitlement. I feel like as a woman, a very blessed woman in my life, I, you know, have noticed a couple moments where things haven't gone my way or, you know, just hasn't panned out the way I thought it would. And I just felt some entitlement come up and that's just not a, uh, that's not character that I want to be, that I want to be any part of me. Um, I don't think it's a growth mindset. I don't think it's there's room for that in the kingdom when you grow when you're growing the kingdom. And so I've really been just kind of tackling myself and just asking myself questions of where is that coming from? Why why do I think that everything should go my way? Because I know it shouldn't. <laughs> right. Um, in my life, some of the things that I'm trying to refine and brush off through the fire is the the balance and the cadence of the dance of parenthood um, so before we got here to do the podcast today I was working out spending a little time alone and just thinking about the relationship with my son and I and I'm in a 
position where I'm homeschooling a lot and I'm having to get him caught up. And um, I'm always teaching him and teaching him, which sometimes can be like lecturing because you just want so much for them. Um, and in that fine refinement today, like I'm always just teaching creed, but then how much it's always teaching and refining me. And I'm trying to brush off the need to control and like project mm -hmm. out of fear, like the fear that I'm not going to be a good enough parent or it's not going to all work out, you know, which is my core scripture, not to lean to my under my own understanding. And like what I heard God you know, just softly put on my heart, like, Kristen, you're always teaching, preaching, um, growth mindset and fixed mindset, which, you know, I'm just trying to lead creed. But what I heard is, like, quit trying to fix him and grow with him, mm -hmm. like, which is fixed mindset, growth mindset, you know? And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, that makes the way you just even say it different, you know, in your own head, like, man, I don't need to fix him. I need to grow with him. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of made me step back and realize that's a, a piece that I need to step back and put through the fire and refine so I can be less controlling and more leading in that journey. My natural inclination is less is more. And so when Scott and I were having the conversation that I wanted to talk about a few things and dive into those pretty deep, but as time went on, I just kept getting this image of a bicycle wheel. And what I saw was the tire and the spokes and the tire being life and the spokes and the air being what makes it fruitful and what makes it work and what makes it purposeful. And without the spokes and the air, the tire isn't going to accomplish a whole lot. And so when I really kind of stepped back, I realized that all of these life principles really don't operate alone. They are very much intertwined with each other and they are very much needed to become just a, a fruitful person and produce a fruitful environment and produce fruitful relationships, family, um, community, all of that. So let's kind of dive into those today. What was one of the life principles, Kristen, that really stuck out to you? One of my favorite life principles um, is actually by Jordan Peterson. And I love that how he says, if you cannot tell a truth, at least do not tell a lie. And um, I try to instill that in Creed of just like how important that simple thing is. Like even to ourselves, if you cannot tell a truth, at least don't tell yourself a lie. You know, because the enemy is always trying to gather thoughts in our head and feed us a lie. And, you know, so how is, I walk through the journey with him to really teach him how that one principle leads to character, integrity, honor, all of them kind of laid out together by not lying to yourself or others. Someone brought this to my attention a long time ago, but integrity is a very big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to me that when I tell someone something, that my word, that my yes is my yes and my no is my no. And so I remember a long time ago, uh, someone told me, you know, if you're going to say you're going to pray for someone, pray for them. Because mm -hmm. I think as Christians, 
a lot and I will I've definitely been guilty of this being like oh yeah I'll pray for you I'll pray for you or something's going on and it's always the easiest answer is I'll pray for you but one of the highest things um, for me being in in integrity as a Christian is doing that very thing like when people say something like I won't tell someone that I'm gonna pray for them if I one won't pray for them right in that moment or I have no intention doesn't mean I might still not pray for them, you know, but I just, and I've just seen so much more power, one, in my prayers doing that, and it just has taught me more of that, that integrity of, like, no, every word that comes out of my mouth, like, let it be life, mm -hmm. let it transform myself or someone else. I love that. Another life principle, I think, that kind of goes, like you were saying, in the spokes of a wheel and how they all turn together and when you have them all kind of working together, it's the only way that the tire moves. Otherwise, it's all just separate pieces, um, is the principle of sowing and reaping, of mm. how important it is that we plant seed or we planting seed every single day. And then what seed are we planting? Who are we planting seed with? Are we praying? Are we watering? Are we nurturing our crops every single day? Because how easy it is to get in a fear mindset and you're just out searching for your harvest every day instead of trusting in God in the process of sowing and reaping. It's funny, my pastor this morning said, the kingdom way is sowing and reaping. The worldly way is making and spending. And I just thought he was talking on as far as finances, mm -hmm. but I just thought about that on so many things. I mean, we can, we can make a relationship and we can spend time, but that may not be a fruitful relationship, you know, right. or I can sow in time and really give and pursue and try and grow this relationship, make it better. Um, create trust and reap a huge benefit. And I just think in that when you're just in his process of sowing and reaping to be super aware of obedience, like wh what are you sowing and reaping? Are you, are you sitting with God and asking him to be in the middle of everything you're doing? Like we get so busy of what we want in life and how it's supposed to look. And it's so easy to get self-absorbed again like on the daily. I just notice how if I don't really have the self-discipline and the obedience so I can hear God, you know, to really get by myself and is it my plan or uh, his plan? Mm. And how many times I step out of order because I'm not even seeking his guidance. I'm seeking uh, entitlement, you know, like I deserve this, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, perfection, you know, of all the things. And then you realize, like, when you step back, like, like how much weight and how much extra is on your shoulders because he's not asking you in those seasons to carry all that. His peace doesn't lie there mm. when I'm always trying to pick up everything and fix everything. I, I get weary mm. and I don't get the blessing of the peace of knowing that he is God and he will direct my path and I need to move out of the way more. That makes me think of courage. You know, when we were reading the prayer, the Mighty Anvil prayer, 
talks about take me back through the fire from time to time. And a long time ago, I remember an another thing that a pa I remember a pastor saying before a song, I don't remember the song, but the pastor said, don't sing this song unless you mean it. Because those words are powerful, and oftentimes it's like we sing, God, take me through the fire. And we're like, do we really want that? And so when I was reading that prayer, it was just like, to me, that's courage. Because there have been moments where I'm like, I'm not going to sing this song right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm really weary, and I can't be like, God, take me through the fire right now. <laughs> right. But just when you're talking about, like, really just like, Am I being in am I like allowing God to lead me? Am I allowing God to be in the center of it? I think that's really courageous at times because just because we said, okay, my life is yours, God, there was never any promise that it was going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And I think the harder we pursue after him and the more we dive into what he has for us, it can look scary at times. I agree, and and in all the refining processes, um, I realize wisdom is a virtue, and it's not innate, mm. but it's only acquired through all the experiences. And sometimes we're in such a rush that we're not seeing the wisdom that's sitting before us, because it's all through the experiences. I, I look at through all my hardships, and that's where all the wisdom and the refining was purified and refined and it was hot and it was burning you know and that's when I really came out on the other side with the wisdom but it's like we get through that and we know that but then we're like oh god don't give me another experience <laughs> we know it's coming you know like it's always going to be coming and if we would look at it you know like it's just another experience where I'm going to gain wisdom versus setting back in fear like oh no it's happening again like it it's throughout the whole Bible that like we're getting refined. Mm -hmm. and we have more fear up here in our brain than it's actually before us. We, we should simplify it maybe a little bit more. Where do you feel like you've learned to find joy in those moments? I'm not recalling any joy while I was in the middle of the fiery <laughs> moments. On it. Like when you're in them, like realizing maybe that I wasn't broken after all that he was doing a work within me. And when I just center on his word and I don't lean in my understanding and I mm -hmm. lean into his, and I remember this too shall pass, like, and they always do. And then you get to the other side. But I think we all have our techniques that we use when we're in the middle of the refining. And I get around other believers to create joy, to inspire me. Um, I like to worship to create joy, and I like to be alone. Like a lot of people like social, and that, that creates joy. Like I really find joy in solitude. Not ask anyone else to solve my problems and really sit in the weight of what I'm going through. Mm. And when I, I balance inside of that and kind of center in and feel whatever, it's, whatever it is, whether it's, it's hard or I'm angry and I feel it, I feel like when I sit with it, um, joy's on the other side of that. I would agree with that. I, I find a lot of life in, in moments where I'm alone. I can, I can definitely have a lot of alone time and be good with that, which 
I think it's really just a form of prayer when we're alone and we're with God and whether we're worshiping or talking to God. You know, Graham Cook says prayer isn't asking God for something you want. It's finding out what God wants and allowing that to happen in your life. And I think that's what really happens, for me at least, in those moments of being alone with God, of just getting real raw. I mean, sometimes I scream, sometimes I cry, sometimes I can't even get anything out, and sometimes it's joy and laughter, and I'm just worshiping and so full of vigor. Um, but regardless of it, it's, it's where I really connect with God and where I've seen some of the most powerful moments in my connection with Him. Another life principle that I would say kind of connects to that is self-control. There's a lot of times where, I mean, today, okay, I'll take today, for example. I was had kind of a, a rough morning and was not in the, you know, just kind of struggling. And um, there were things that I wanted to do, I wanted to say, and some of them I did, um, but some of them I didn't just because I know the power of having Mm self-control and I know that just in my frustrations I could say things that are seemingly insignificant um, but would actually have an effect on my husband or the environment so I actually chose to remove myself and I did go shopping but in the midst of shopping I was just really just talking to God and trying to figure out where I was lacking and what I needed to change. And I think often we forget the power of self-control. So often people just spit words out, and I do it too. Mm -hmm. But I really try and remember that the power of my actions or words can have huge limitations. I, I love that life principle of the power of words too and how easy it is we miss the mark. You know, like how much grace we get for all the times we do miss the mark with our power of our mm. words. So like when we're setting an intentional, you know, I'll be like, oh, the power of my words have, you know, I need to really speak life over people. But when I'm honest with myself, like how many times I miss the mark and not speaking his authority over people in situations, you know, how easy it is to sit back and be human and re- realize how many times we're we're not thinking with a growth mindset or realizing that God is not on a mission of Lanier. He's always in a perpetual motion that he's widening the circle of love, you know, mm. and we, we're thinking Lanier and he's thinking big picture. Like for example, um, my sister came and I'm kind of an orphan ish, whatever that is. I don't have a lot of, or any family of origin around me much. Um, but I did have my sister come stay with me in 2018. And, um, as I had a struggle with alcoholism, um, it runs in my family and my sister did too. And I remember getting through my journey and then, you know, you just get on so, so much fire. You want to help the next person. And so I have my sister come stay with me and like, you think you're going to teach them all these things and, you know, you're going to impart on them and be so godly, um, which is great. We always have to remember 
we're sowing into people too. We're not fixing them. We're just dropping seed and mm. it's their choice. The one thing God gives us to pick it up and it's not on your timeline. It's on theirs and it's on God's and that we not get discouraged when we don't see what we want to see right then. Cause I ended up like my sister stayed with me for about six months and you know, she, I actually did set boundaries, so there was a lot of good things, too. And, I, you know, one of the boundaries was, like, she could not drink if she lived in my house. And um, she was on her journey, and she did that. And I had to tell her that she could not stay at my house anymore, which kind of broke my heart because, like, I wanted to help her. And so then, you know, it put more tension between the relationship and then she moved down to Port Aransas and back where she was from. And I remember it's kind of like angry as I was because she wasn't listening how I thought she should listen. I was able in those moments, they were wins where I saw a bigger picture and I was firm with my boundary, but I didn't judge her in her journey either. I realized that I planted seed and before she stayed with me, she didn't even believe in God. And then she started going to church with me and she did find God, but that's in her own timing, you know? And I did see her move out from my house. And then I told her, Carrie, if you keep going along this path, I promise you it's not if, it's just when it'll happen again, like a DWI or something. It always is that breaks the cycle. And I received a phone call like a couple weeks ago and sure enough, she remembered and actually took to heart more of the things that I had said and imparted in her. Mm -hmm. It just took three years or so for it to make sense for her, yeah. you know? And yes, she's going through more refining, but don't ever doubt the power and the process of dropping your seed into people and then you determining whether it worked in your time. Mm -hmm. Because it, it is working. It's just different than how you thought it should look. I felt like I got the gift of that. Like, and then how, like we said before, that's wisdom. Like, like mm -hmm. the life experiences are happy or they're sad, but they're all happening. But we're putting our time frame on it all the time when it is playing out exactly how it should be. You know? well, I think we forget so often, too, about how long it takes us to get things. And how long it takes us to like, you know, like how many times have I repented for something and asked God, being like, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And like now it's something like, you know, I don't, I mean, I can, I can take drinking, for example. I, I had an issue with drinking at one point in my life and I went out and did a lot of stupid things and I repented so many times for that. And now it's not even like a conversation in life, but it, like me saying like, oh, you just need to like stop drinking. Like, well, how long did it take me to figure that out? You know, and God had grace with me and, you know, walked with me through that. So I agree. I think that's huge on wisdom of just being like, and it takes a load off our shoulder. Mm -hmm. It's not my job to save anyone. And I love that when I finally figured that out. <laughs> and sometimes I still need to remember that, but it's just like my job is to love. My job mm -hmm. is to like speak life into someone. And I know one of my old pastors, her son was going through a, a really big challenge like with drugs and stuff. And 
um, she just could not see the light of day with him. And she sat down with the Lord one day, and the Lord just said, get a, make a vision board of all of the pictures of him where you see his smile, where you see life in him, and put in your phone, you know, mighty man of God. And she couldn't see any of that, but she just decided to speak it and believe it. And years later, I mean, he's an amazing man of God doing amazing things for the kingdom. You know, it's where you think like the refinings in him, but it's also refining her. Like Mm -hmm. there's such a mirror towards every person we encounter. And like, that's where we have to remember like God is for the world, period. Mm, Um, That's good. You know, the very thing that divides us all will always become the thing that binds us together. And when we don't implement that, like God is with all and God is for all, we, we unintentionally divide ourselves, you know? Mm. And then when we're divided, I feel like that's where Satan can come in and pin us against each other. And it's a weapon he uses to separate us from love. It comes back to the principle of giving, I think. I mean, we talked about, you know, sowing and reaping a little bit earlier. But I believe as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, my job, and I definitely don't always get it right, but is to give. And whether that be give money, give my time, give my love, give my heart, give my empathy, you know, give my patience, you know, those are all key principles of the kingdom. And a lot of times, so often, you know, the world says, or, or a lot of people just kind of default is, you're good, you don't need to do that, or, you know, they did that, so you can do that. What I want to be the focus of my life and what I want to, people to see in me is, no, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Like, she's still a giver. She's still a lover. She still, like, brings life to a situation. Right. You know, and anytime I find myself in a, a lonely place, like, I always know if I take action and just go be generous. Mm. Move outside of yourself. and whether It doesn't have to be money, time, treasure, talent. Um, go give of yourself somewhere. And you'll realize how selfish you're being, like mm-hmm. where that requires action. Like otherwise, we do get stuck. It's like we can get stuck in our own mind. And I think that happens to myself a lot. Like I get stuck more in my mind of trying to figure it all out. And if I would just pause and be generous and start thinking about others, I could really move forward and realize like. God's mission for me, and that's to disciple other people. Mm-hmm. 100% of the time, there's not one time that I have given or gotten outside of me that it didn't like transform me and bring me to a better place. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> one thing that you know we were talking about earlier, you and I can, we like to spend time alone, we can really recharge. One thing I've had to challenge myself with is fellowship on the flip side of that Um, my first go-to like I literally could be happy sitting in my room worshiping with God not talking to anyone for like days (laughs) like I would be happy 
But I've also, I love people, I love my friends, I love having conversations with them. And when I have that fellowship, it literally is life-changing to me. I mean, just coffee. I mean, you and I have had moments where we're just sitting and having coffee or sitting on your porch or sitting, you know, on, going for our walks, like, that we're just talking. And it literally has, like, changed the way I think. Um, and it's not like it was some plan of, like, oh, I have to go to fellowship night or I have to do this. It was just getting in connection with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And we were able to just just have a very fruitful time. Right, and I always feel like the time with you is fruitful because we make meaningful connection. You know, we always talk about deep things and laugh, and I feel like I can come to you to a place of authenticity, of like talking about real things, of I became successful, and also how I failed a lot too. And I feel like when we are in rooms or in places that we can express who we really are, it just plows up soil for us to grow, you know, like that we can, you know, kind of lay our manure out there and realize that it's a safe place. And that too is, you know, just sowing and reaping too. Like when we, we don't have to pretend to be perfect or we can really communicate as that's one of my core values too, is um, to learn to have hard conversations and connect with someone about how you really felt about something. And then move through kind of in a respond to each other and repair because so many times things go unsaid and like we in our own minds make up what we thought they were going to respond in you know versus truly learning to connect and communicate in like secure ways i think kindness is a part of that you know I constantly have to challenge myself in this of even if a friend or a stranger, you know, did something, said something, always responding with, I never know. Well, if it's a stranger, I never know what that person's going through. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when, um, I remember I had seen this girl in the grocery store. It's kind of an ironic story. I'd seen this girl, she, my old boss's daughter, and she looked completely distraught. And I saw her from like a, a far away. And I totally just like judgment was like, wow, she kind of looks like a hot mess. <laughs> right. And um, I found out the next day, that day, she lost her father from a massive heart attack. Um, fast forward. I don't know how many years, probably three years. Um, I remember going going into a grocery store and I was completely rude uh, to the cashier. I had just lost my dad to a massive heart attack that day. Um, and it was just like, I walked out and I was like, wow, I just kind of like checked myself like, wow, I was really rude to that woman. Um, And so the reason I say that is because you never know what someone's going through. And so always responding in an act of kindness, being like, okay, yeah, that wasn't nice of me, or that wasn't nice of that person, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be kind. Or if it's my best friend of, 
Okay, just being a little bratty today. Mm-hmm. Still say something and be like, hey girl, like what's your deal? But also responding in just a kind way because I still don't know what happened, you know, five minutes ago until she tells me. Very true in that. And I think like in all those aspects, they're daily disciplines. Like you don't get better at doing something unless you're disciplining yourself all the time to control your mind. Like how many times are you standing there not being kind in your head? That would make it hard to stop that in a heated moment. So if like you can't stop thought processes that are going on in your mind when you're not in stress, how are you going to be able to discipline yourself in your mind when your stressors are higher? You know, your, your spouse is really making you mad. Your child really is making you mad. And if you're not in the daily disciplines of controlling your mind while you're in a grocery store line, you're not going to be able to implement obedience in a higher stress situation. So like when you're in a growth mindset thinking that, like, man, why am I sitting there doing that? It's a good opportunity in those moments to be like, correct that behavior so that way you're stronger in the moments that you're weaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I think in discipline, I had the opportunity to go to Japan a couple weeks ago and to be in a culture like that and be able to travel is such a gift. Um, because you see how God is in every country and why he wants the disciple to all the nations because they don't just look like America. And just seeing how you can have so much discipline like they do in Japan and how they work in a, a group mindset. Everything is about the team. Everything's not individualistic like it is in America. Uh, there's no trash anywhere you look. Everyone is so self-disciplined. It's three times the population in Tokyo over New York, but no one's rushing or running into each mm-hmm. other or screaming. It's all in a movement of discipline. And I remember thinking while I was there, there's only 1% Christianity in Japan. And like, how could they have this much self-discipline and so much organization and, and not have God as a Christian? And, you know, just to see the shrines and the temples and I was asking our tour guide, did he speak to God a lot? And his response was that they talk to God like once a year and they ask him at the beginning of the year, you know, pretty much we make a wish. And I just thought that was an interesting perspective of how everything can be so disciplined, but without God, it doesn't have the joy in it. You know, mm. it, it's it's dealt it's man made and it looks good and it's organized and I think it's well. But when you don't put God in it, you still see the lack of joy in people around you because everybody's like robots. We're in our way still. Like we're not in the supernatural presence of God's flow. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though they have a lot of obedience and self control and self discipline, they have one of the highest suicide rates too. Hmm. And, you know, then I look at America and I think if you dropped a busload of um, average Americans off in Japan, they would think we were very undisciplined and they would have their opinion about how we are, too. And I was thinking about how they would think about Christians, too. You know, we show up when our time of need of refinement and make a wish and think it's going to work like that, you know. So in that experience, 
it was really eye-opening to see how very different cultures operate. And without God, like it, none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like they're getting a lot of the, the integrity. Like I feel like they have really good integrity with themselves and their family and their community of like, hey, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of self-control. They're like, okay, we're, we're not going to, you know, shove our faces with food all the time and throw trash around and, you know, get overweight and do all these things. But then at the same time, like you said, they're lacking that joy. And that kind of goes back to like the spokes of the wheel, like mm-hmm. everything working together, like uh, to me, that's what religion is. Like, so often we can look at the Bible and say, okay, don't do this. Or, you know, um, at the beginning of my walk, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Or I'm going to be in trouble. Or, and it was all about these rules. And to walk with Christ is all about a relationship. Mm-hmm. And God's not calling us to be there. He's not standing there with this, like, checklist of like, oh, you said a bad word today. Or you had a beer. Or... You know, he's asking us not to overindulge in alcohol or, you know, be like everyone else and say all these bad words because he has such a higher call. Right. You know, he's done things so much better for us. He's like, it's not don't do this because it's bad. It's do this because it's got such great benefit. And so that's like, to me, that's where like the joy of the Lord comes in and that's where true like growth like you talked about we talked about growth mindset and Mm -hmm. fixed mindset like that's where growth comes when we can really plug into God and being like okay his ways are truly higher than my ways not because you know it's a right or wrong thing it's just like he's God he's got such great stuff for us and how like if we go inward and we're operating on our will and we're realizing God doesn't sit there with his checklist with us going, nope, nope, didn't make it, didn't make it, not good enough. How we need to learn to internalize that and not do that to ourselves and like just really get on the wheel of discovering us and what he wants to do in our life. Hmm. And how many times when we're upset or discontent is because we're looking at other people standing there with our checklist Mm. like that's an effective way (laughs) I mean I do it all the time actually and I as we speak it makes me realize that when I get perturbed with what somebody else is doing it's because I'm standing there with my checklist you know like it's not good enough Mm -hmm. instead of maybe going back to like how do I get on my wheel what can I do inside me that keeps me in a place that's keep the seed throwing and I'm reaping and I'm sowing and I'm working on me and I'm actually mirroring uh, a Christ-like in me. That way he could use me through me. And too many times when I get tripped up is me standing there with my checklist mm-hmm. for other people, you know. 100%. Every time we step back and we're doing that, if we would pause and we realize how we're paying, playing the stories from our past usually. Mm. It always is. It's a belief system that, like, we keep seeing other people's personalities through our personal reality. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just what we think about and how we see things. And if we're not 
absorbing God's word, then we're always see a distorted view. Like, cause we're not pausing. We're really just reenacting what we've seen for years. And we wonder why we keep seeing the same fruit on our vine. Cause we keep seeing it the same way. And I, I really think like neuroscience wise, like um, it's subconsciously, you know, it's a belief system that starts from a young age and how hard that is to get the generations to move and change is because it's a thought process that we can't even see that's really happening. And I, I noticed this the, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks ago and I was pulling up to my son's football field and we were having practice and um, like these, I was probably liking quietness at the time and then I pull up and I've been practicing this more of like the power of the pause to see a situation, how it really is in that moment. And like these guys were being super, super loud and like my natural thought was like um, a racial kind of thought, like not to be mean, but of like, oh, people are always so loud. And that's what played in my head. I'm not saying this to offend anyone. I just was playing that tape because I, it, it was played through my childhood. But I remember like looking at it and I paused and I was like, they weren't being loud in me stereotyping there. What was happening was they were actually playing football and they were from another country and they were actually laughing and they were having fun with one another. Mm. And it wasn't what the story from my past first presented me. But I was practicing the power of the pause and being like, man, how many times do we do that? We're like, oh, look at that. But that's really just how we have looked at a lot of things versus like, this is what's really happening right here because we play the stories from our past. That's really powerful. As we just wrap up this conversation and this podcast on principles, you know, as we speak to anyone that's listening, I just challenge anyone to not necessarily go off the, the principles that we mentioned and in our conversation, but to really sit with oneself, sat alone enough to develop your own principles. Like what life principles do you really want to incorporate in your life? Um, because your life is not my life, it's your life. And what works for me is not going to work for you and doesn't need to work for you. But you do want God to start working for you. And so I just encourage and challenge anyone to really think about who you want to be, maybe some past stories that you've told yourself that you don't want to be, and not just say you're going to write some principles down, but to really sit down and think about what you want your life principles to be what you think your core values should be. And if you don't even know what core values are, is to look those up because there's so many people out there that wouldn't even be able to tell you what one core value in their life is. And I really think people should start there. So you have a base and then like you take action and you actually do it. Like start thinking about a mindset of like, what are my principles in life and what are my core values and sit with them and actually write them down and how, most people will not write them down, but I promise you 90% would be more effective if you actually took the time and wrote them down and thought about them. I believe that that's why they do. Because on a subconscious level, they do have core values mm -hmm. and they do have a belief system. So if you're not going to sit down and define what they really need to be, they're always going to run from a place of what they were. And that is a self-limiting belief. There will always be core values instilled in you. But what you don't know is you're operating on them 
but maybe you don't like what they really are because you haven't really addressed what they are. So maybe you need to change those core values and speak life into them and be like, wow, no wonder I act this way because this is what my core values have been. But you don't even know that because they just, whether you have them or not, they're still running. And most of the decisions you make are running from your subconscious core values. I would add to that what you're saying is I challenge all of us to take off the the values. You know, sometimes we, we hear the word core values and we might not know what that means, but take off the values or the way of life mm-hmm. that we grew up in, what our mom, what our dad taught us, and take that jacket off and just stand naked and alone with God and say, God, what do you want? Instead of looking at it as of like, oh, I grew up like this, or my dad always told me this, or my mom always told me this. Well, we can change it, mm-hmm. you know? It's like we get to change our environment. We get to change our mindset. We get to change a lot of people. I'm in the health and wellness industry. I help people every day improve their health and every day people come to me and say, well, diabetes is in my family, high blood pressure is in my family. And I look them in the eye and say, you get to change that. Mm -hmm. Um, Our world has told us that just because my grandfather and my mom had diabetes that I'm going to have it. No. The reason that they go from generation to generation is because they did the same things. They ate the same things. They didn't move they created the same habits. They thought the same things. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes, if we just shift that a little bit, we can make powerful changes. Right, because most people aren't consciously thinking about the way they think. Mm-hmm. It's running on autopilot of ways they've always thought. And in that, like, that's a difficult task. Like, it sounds simple, but just to be aware enough to, like, be aware of your thoughts. Like write them down and, or even just think like, man, I think that a lot. And you'll see it playing out in your behavior everywhere. And then you'll probably notice it in other people's behavior because what you notice in other people is actually what you notice in yourself a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it takes self-control. It's, it's saying, okay, I'm not going to watch these types of movies because they're implanting this in my mind or mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to this place because I'm constantly seeing this image. Mm -hmm. Like it takes decisions and a lot of people don't always have Mm self-control to tell their friends, hey, no, you know what? I'm not gonna go watch that movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really align with with what I'm doing in life and what I want. Right, like you said, they have an established core values, Mm -hmm. core values, and if you don't have them, then you're just like a ship out to sea. You're always just being shifted around to every single thing and that you have no control over your life because you're not controlling what's coming in, mm-hmm. you know? And we need to start being mindful instead of mindful, like just a mindful of things. Like, are you being mindful? Like, and knowing what you can allow in to, you know, kind of be the temptress of your soul. (laughs) Like we're being tempted 24-7 and most of us aren't even taking the time to be aware that we are. Like we're Mm -hmm. mindless. Next week, we visit with Alan and Scott, reflect on the past season of Principles. Father God, I just thank you so much for this day, Father. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are never changing 
that you are consistent, that you are a foundation, Father, and that we can always come to you and that we have our safety and our security security in you. Father, I thank you that you have plans for us, that you have plans for us to prosper and for good things in our lives. So I just declare over every listener today that you are speaking to them in ways that they have never heard you. God, I pray that you would just come alive in their hearts like they've never felt before. Um, God, that they would seek you with everything they have and that they would find you. And that they, I just pray over every listener that um, you would just consistently seek God because he is a good, good father and has good things. And so, God, I just thank you for this podcast. I thank you for the Mighty Anvil and everything that it's doing to create change and fruit in people's life. And, Father, I thank you for this day and the gifts that you've given us. And I thank you for the future that is ahead of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We use Anchor for this podcast and our other podcasts the weekend from A to Z. So if you're about to start a podcast, lift Anchor with Anchor FM and set sail on your new adventures.